It's season three of Ing Podcast, a production of Menno Media's Leader Magazine. What does it mean to authentically follow Jesus? Because of the way I felt led into writing about this project and the ways that it created humility in me and a sense of being in over my head a lot, I, even in writing this book, let alone living my everyday life, realized I I am not alone and I can't do this alone and I don't want to be alone. Join us as we talk with people of faith who are creatively thinking, growing, and being. People who are reimagining and exploring what it means to enrich faith in a complex world. Our conversation begins now. Join us as we journey together. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to Menu Media's Ing Podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by one of our Herald Press authors. I'm here with Tamara Hill Murphy. Uh, she is a spiritual director and an author, and uh, we are really excited to be announcing a brand new book coming out very soon called The Spacious Path, Practicing the Restful Way of Jesus in a Fragmented World. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us here. Thanks, Ben. It's so good to be here. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious, for those who don't know you, how do you introduce yourself these days? I usually just say, my name is Tamara, and when folks want to know what um, what I'm doing and, and caring about in the world, I'll let them know I'm a spiritual director uh, and a writer. But I'm also a mom and a wife and a grandmother, and all of that really matters to me. You've had a number of different uh, ministry roles in the Anglican tradition, is that correct? That's right. Yes. Yes. For about the last... That's correct for about the last 15 years. Yes. And, and oh, that's, ex- that's exciting. I, I think that uh, expands our um, denominational diversity here of Ink Podcast by one really? more denomination, too. So uh, thanks for adding that to this uh, collective movement here. I'm really intrigued by this, uh, this new work of yours, um, The Spacious Path, Practicing the Restful Way of Jesus in a Fragmented World. It sounds a little bit, uh, in the summary that I've read online, uh, like uh, a guidebook of sorts? Is that a correct way to, to describe it? Or um, how do you uh, talk about this book when you're, when you're telling people about this writing project? I really love the term guidebook. And so I think that is, that does apply. Okay. Um, I, one thing I'm really hoping with this book is to add to a conversation that's already started. Oh, okay. About, um, I mean, in some ways it was started, you know, centuries ago with St. Benedict. But as far as, current in the current conversation the rule of life as a spiritual practice it feels like there's more conversation and so i'm just wanting to add to what's already out there and so you might see yeah uh there's sort of a spectrum of offerings for everything from a more workbook style um to uh, you know more curriculum based uh to more anecdotal or historical primers and i'm trying to kind of fit right in the middle there and offer, mm. offer a little bit of, of all of that. So you, you've got this book that references a rule of life. Um, what, what is that for those of us who are in the dark? I love that you're asking that. Uh, what, what a rule of life is, uh, is a way of discerning and documenting the invitations of Jesus to apply to my everyday life. So I am a whole human being made in the image of God, which means I have to make decisions every day that apply to my physical health, my family's well-being, my work life, my rest and play life, my intellectual, emotional lives. Um, and so a rule of life 
recognizes that we are whole selves and it makes space for us to be integrated rather than each those parts of my life being a separate category that I'm mm. kind of, you know, like hats that I switch on and off on any given yeah. day. It creates this one space. It's a living document um, updating with my seasons of life, um, which for some folks can happen. That's an update that happens frequently. Um, but it's, it's a place to, to put all of that so that I'm living out of one, one invitation of Jesus on any given day. In the book, I, I speak to the process of discerning and documenting. And then at the end of the book, um, I give some best practices, some really okay. practical tips for like, yeah, I could write something down on paper and it could all change tomorrow. How in the world does that work with the rule of life? So I share some best practices. Um, and that one of the things that I love talking about is that the actual format, some, some of my friends and myself included, uh, have my rule of life written in a spreadsheet, which is so unflowery and yet so helpful. <laughs> Other of my friends who are really visually oriented, their rule of life is is curated in photographs um, or some an artwork that they've written. And then one of my friends, Karen Hutton, she drew her rule of life on a labyrinth. <laughs> she literally has a labyrinth with the words of her rule written around the circles, which is really what gave me the idea for that metaphor in the first place. So I, I like to, um, to like to let folks know that. And then I leave the book with this quote from St. Benedict that always we begin again. And so mm-hmm. a rule of life is a living document. You might be listening to this. You might be reading this book and like, I've been there. I've done that. I tried that. It did not work. Give me something new. And I say like beginning again is, is rule number one <laughs> in the rule of life is that it's yeah. that we grow and change. And this um, Jesus keeps us company always there. The 500th anniversary of Anabaptism in 2025 gives the church a unique opportunity to celebrate and dream. Mental Media invites you to celebrate and dream with us as we embrace this anniversary's hope and possibility by creating fresh, forward-looking resources for Anabaptism's quincentenary celebration. Each resource will offer spiritual inspiration, connection, education, and invitation to the Anabaptist community and to the broader Christian church. To learn more about Anabaptism at 500 or how to contribute your story to these resources, visit anabaptism at 500.com. Was there something that um, that called you to this? Is there a, a need that you were sensing in the world to, to focus in on this particular subject matter? Yes. Uh, although I, d- I don't know that I knew that until after I had really gotten um, clear on this project. I... Mm. Uh, in my work as a spiritual director, I have been, you know, coming alongside folks during just this this intense season that the world is living in of so much disruption, so much upheaval. And um, it felt a little strange to me, actually, to talk about a spiritual practice that's called a rule when so many oh. folks are just fatigued and weary from trying to figure out what, what are we what measure, what standards are we supposed to even, you know, be applying to our everyday lives right now? Yeah. Yet, as I began to press into this practice for myself and the ways that, that myself, my family were navigating this time, and as I began to, to offer this um, 
to others, I did find that it actually has been a, um, a grounding, something that brings grounding um, in, a, mm. in a time that things feel so uh, disrupted and kind of disorienting. There's an anxiety uh, level around this current moment that I don't always know if it's um, just a deeper awareness of the anxiety we've carried for generations as human beings, or if it has something to do with the ongoing polarization or the ways that we are um, engaged digitally or or, con- or loosely connected into these new and, and different ways. But it, it feels whatever the reason it feels timely to to sort of pause for a moment to take a step back to to think again about how we are we are ordered and how we move through the world um so just yeah i want to say thanks uh up front i guess for um for your awareness uh that something like this is is helpful for for people as we move about the world as i was thinking about your book i was thinking about um last spring right about this time uh a friend invited me and another pastor colleague to join him on a bike ride of the Camino de Santiago in Spain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was an incredible experience for two weeks to uh, to wake up each day and to know that our only, our only needs were getting um, some food in our system so that we could take the next pedal stroke to um, wherever we were going to rest our heads that night. It really simplified our lives in a way that felt... Um, life-giving, spiritually fulfilling, and, and led to some incredible moments and conversations along the way. Um, I'm guessing that there's something about the spacious path that that helps to make those moments happen in our in our normal lives where we're not, um, you know, out on a pilgrimage, but uh, just going through the day-to-day rhythms. Um, and for those who are who are hearing you talk and thinking, but my life is too full to really <laughs> uh, find a spacious path. What what do you say, or how do you how do you invite people into to reimagining their journey through the world? Wow, I love <laughs> every sentence you just said. I would love. Oh. To, <laughs> um, I'd love to hear more at some point uh, about your 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 pilgrimage. But I love. Yeah. I, I also appreciate very much the direction your your um, focusing that question into those, those are, um, opportunities that some folks have at some points and they're wonderful opportunities, but they aren't, they don't reflect the reality of our everyday lives for, for most. Yeah. Yeah. I start the book actually, uh, what came to mind as I was beginning to write the introduction was this season that my family lived, was living in, it was in the, um, around 2011, we had just moved our four kids uh, and uh, ourselves <laughs> and our little dog uh, to Austin, Texas, from a small town in upstate New York um, for for a job that for my husband. And um, while there were so many things about that move that were refreshing, they were opening our eyes. I mean, Austin's just this amazing city to visit anyway, and yeah. our kids were kind of like in the high school, going into college stage. So, like, I mean. Who doesn't want to live in Austin when you're in, uh-huh. in that stage? Well, what happened was out of all the goodness, we found ourselves feeling completely lost every single day. Mm. Like mm. every single day, we we didn't know how to get to the store. We didn't know how yeah. uh, to navigate kind of big city driving. Um, uh, and so there was the homesickness, but there was also this profound disorientation. And we were kind of... Um, 
it was just a very hard season. And so I begin the book mm-hmm. talking about a retreat that I went to two years after our, our move um, that was a silent retreat at a retreat center. And I just stumbled on this beautiful prayer labyrinth that was at the retreat center. And just, I'd never walked on one before. I didn't even really know how to do that or, you know, kind of what the purpose was. But as I was walking, I, I felt not just my, my emotions calm, but my um, body, I felt my breathing Mm -hmm. change. I felt everything shift. Um, And I didn't even know kind of why I just began that practice. And so what I realized um, is that there was something about the rhythms of that movement um, and that it was in a place that was grounded in prayer. Like people had walked that path mm, before in prayer, yeah. coming after me in prayer. There was a space for silence and reflection. And yet to get back home to my family, I had to yeah. get back out on the Texas highway system, which is notoriously uh, <laughs> baffling and uh, disorienting. I, I joke that I, I cussed more in my life ever with driving on those Texas roads. <laughs> and so that is, that is the metaphor that you're describing. Yeah. That tension is the metaphor that I work with through the whole book is like, those moments are important and they matter. And, and as yeah. we're able to take them, we can, and maybe, maybe that's on a pilgrimage in Spain. Maybe that's at a retreat center in Texas. Maybe it's a, um, a stay at home parent who gets 15 minutes to take some deep breath. Yeah you know, on, on a regular weekday, but in order for that to be something that is a spacious path, um, which is the title of the book, something that's a restful way that we can live our lives. Yes. It has to apply in the middle of the most profound disorientation, the Mm -hmm. the great greatest seasons of grief, um, times when we feel like we can't even hear God times when we feel estranged from, from others. And so, that's that's the tension that I I really spend the, the I hope that folks feel like that's the tension that we explore together in the book. And what helps me or helped me the most is two things. One two things. One is the history of the spiritual practice. So Benedict, when he began what we you know what we use now as the rule of life, really began you know with him um, in the sixth century, and he left. Us, he was in the Middle Ages during a very turbulent time in the church as much as anywhere else, the ways that the church and the world were kind of enmeshed and um, academia was not meeting his needs. And he retreated from that. He spent three years kind of in, in solitude and came out with this very simple, I mean, it grew to be something more complex, his rule of life, but it started out with this very simple call to um, live a life humbly ordered by listening and love. So listening to God and others um, and loving. Um, And so that helps me, but even more so when I go to Jesus' words, um, particularly the invitation to come to me, you know, are you weary? Are you, are you worn out? Have you, as your life feel frazzled by ill-fitting systems, you know, Jesus gave that invitation in the middle of a turbulent time to people who were burdened down by yeah. really uh, ill-fitting economic and and um, and religious systems, and so that to me gives me so much encouragement that there must be yeah. a way that rest is available, not just in those sort of 
retreat moments, those pilgrimage moments, but in the middle of right here when I'm working and when I'm, when I'm feeling um, grief, when I'm feeling stress, anxious, anxiety, can I come to Jesus for rest then? And so I think the spacious path, you know, at the rule of life as a spacious path is one that fits all of those things can fit all (laughs) not just one end of those things. So that's a kind of a long answer to your question. Does it get at what you're asking? I think so. Um, It also makes me think um, of the sort of paradox that, that we hear about um, structures or systems of support and think, I don't need one more structure or system in my mm-hmm. life. I have enough things sort of controlling the mm-hmm. way I move about the world. And yet what you're pointing us to here is something that sounds freeing. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that, that tension of like uh, finding freedom in a system? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we, we've sort of convinced ourselves that in order to find freedom, we have to get rid of any, any sort of structure in our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and you're kind of proposing the opposite there. Yeah. In fact, one of the largest, um, obstacles I think that people face when they consider a rule of life as a spiritual practice is the word rule itself. Oh yeah. Some of that I think is, is just our own human sense of autonomy, like American individualism or something. (laughs) Yes. You know, um, nobody's going to tell me what to do. You know, I, I, I I have the gift of self-determination. Right. And so, yeah. And yet, even with that objection, we do give ourselves to a lot of rules. We don't mind rules for diet or exercise or when we play games or sports, you know, we, we understand that rules bring kind of a a shared language. Mm -hmm. Even more so I spend a lot of time in the book. um, I hope it feels like uh, an appropriate amount of time in the book talking about the ways those who have been oppressed, maybe for generations have lived where rules in fact, could mean something deadly, could mean something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so there's almost a prophetic voice that can um, reject the word rule. And I've, I have some friends in my life and I, I quote one of my friends, Vernay Wilkinson quite a bit. She is a colleague in spiritual direction and, and the r- word rule does not work uh, for, for her uh, for that reason. And so I totally accept and understand, and I'm so grateful for her insight in that. The reason I stayed with the word rule is is to speak to what you just asked, that in its original intention, sort of in the original Latin, it's not rule as in a, a system of law or a code of law. It's rule as literally as a, like an architectural pattern. So some mm. folks talk about a trellis, or if you look at, you know, ancient Greek architecture, there's there's a pattern of architecture that's a repeated pattern. And repeated patterns speak to rhythms and um, sustainability and something strong enough to hold all the growth <laughs> and all the yeah. change. And yeah. so that is that is absolutely what I'm hoping for, that there there's a way to kind of nuance that word rule so that we can hear freedom, like you just said. Yeah. And yet understand that with freedom... Um, we also long for commitment. We long to belong to something. We long, if nothing else we've learned, I think, um, in the last three or four years, 
that um, when the rug is constantly being pulled out from under our feet, that doesn't feel like freedom. That feels like free falling. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a, a, and Jesus in Matthew 11, 28 through 30, which um, I, I do reference a lot of Jesus' words in this book, but that is kind of the foundational passage. Jesus is saying, come to me for rest. And oh, by the way, let me show you how. Here, put this heavy farm implement on your shoulders and walk with me. Like Jesus, who carries the cross, you know, is also saying yeah. there's there's freedom and rest here. So somewhere in the middle of, of that. Um, and that's why I think the restful way of Jesus means that we have to follow with Jesus. We have to keep company with Jesus in order to um, let those nuances be um, lived out in a in a free way in a, in a restful way yeah this summer from shine the peace table a storybook bible for kids age 5 to 11 with faithful retelling of 140 bible stories and beautiful full color artwork from 30 illustrators 12 peace paths encourage children to explore the ways that peace themes are woven throughout the old and new testaments and a resource section includes ideas for how to experience peace with God, self, others, and creation, as well as maps, background information on the Bible, interactive ways to pray, and prayers for many occasions. Pre-order before June 1st and get 25% off on your order. More information at thepeacetablebible.com. The description of your book says walking freely. It, it strikes me that Jesus in his um, ministry had quite a bit of wandering, a wandering spirit perhaps. Um, but it, it never seemed without intention. It wasn't a, a sort of distracted or a, a unfocused wandering, but um, with purpose and with some direction. And mm -hmm. that again, sounds like another pair of paradox i'm sure to, to some folks to think about uh purposeful wandering but uh mm. but i think there's uh, I, yeah it's making me think a little bit i guess of writers who talk about finding god in thin spaces the spaces between one of my greatest desires earlier when i said i want to add to the conversation about the rule of life sort of the the current conversation about the rule of life is to remind us that we even though our instincts are sort of um, baked in individualism and baked in self-determination um, and self-help, uh -huh. the rule of life is is not about us as individuals. It's about us as part of a whole, part of a community. And so with Jesus, um, what Jesus gives us is this beautiful example of um, listening. He listened to the mm. Father. He listened to his neighbors, his family, his friends. He listened to he listened to the um, religious, um, the Pharisees and the religious experts, law experts of the day. And so he he wasn't just wandering sort of in a vacuum. He was he was responding to the Father, and that I talk a lot about that. That when we step onto the spacious path, we step into any spiritual practice. We're we're only God is the one who initiates always. We might not feel that very explicitly, but our own capacity to, to live and move and have our being, it's because of our creator God who lives as one of three, right? Father, Son, and yeah. Holy Spirit. And so I can, in fact, 
step into my day, step into a different season of life and trust that, that God is leading me. Um, even though I don't always know exactly what that next step's going to look like. Um, so sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like wandering, feels very much like wandering. Yeah. And again, that's one of the reasons I love the metaphor of the prayer labyrinth, um, which I tease out through the whole book because on a prayer labyrinth, I often, you know, there's, you're, you're walking in circles. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally walking in circles and there's the center goal that you, you can see that looks like a place you want to get to. Yeah. And the way the architecture works is that you're just putting one foot in front of the other. It's not like a maze where you have to like guess which one's going to have the dead end, which one's going to lead me, you know, to the correct place. You just walk one foot in front of the other. But a lot of times there's turns built in and it looks like you're walking away from the center. It feels mm. like you're wandering and you're getting nowhere and and the path is working against you but if you trust the path put one foot in front of the other you will end up at the center it the path yeah. will do that work for you and so i love the way that speaks to the reality that our lives uh, often do feel like wandering often feel fruitless often feel like we're running into dead ends um and yet there is a there is a God who is leading us, and we can trust mm. to lead us toward Himself, toward our own hearts, and toward each other. I like that. Mm-hmm. You you've uh, drawn on our um, church forebears looking back, but I'm guessing in doing so, you've you've found a lot of hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about um, what gives you hope as you? Uh, write about the spacious path and and invite people to to join you in that in that space. I love that you're asking that question. I would say that because uh, because of the way I felt led into writing about this project and the ways that it created humility in me and a sense of being in over my head a lot, I, even in writing this book, let alone living my everyday life, realized I, I am not alone and I can't do this alone and I don't want to be yeah. alone. Hmm. For me, I do talk about and address what does community mean right now? What does it mean to be one of, you know, one part of a whole? What does it mean that when I follow God, I'm following a communal God? Um, what does it mean that God calls me beloved, and yet in that belovedness, I'm part of a community of beloved, a beloved mm. community? And in my own experience growing up in the church um, and now very much uh, working and ministering in a church, um, my husband is a, is a pastor in a church. He's an Anglican priest. There have been huge um, segments of my life where the church did not feel like a safe place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm watching now my adult kids kind of navigate that themselves. And mm-hmm. I recognize that if I was going to write a book that draws on the, the wisdom of the church, you know, in time, I needed to be able to speak to the church right now. Uh, and honestly, it ended up being a very hopeful thing that I did writing that listening to other people, listening, um, imagining how readers might take the encouragement as well as my own stories of, um, of, uh, 
aloneness and even wounding in the church, I came out the other side like, no, I think, I think we're going to, I think we are going to keep finding hope Mm. here that God's beloved community, as messy as it is, and as often as it feels like we're wandering around in a wilderness, not, you know, or, or a maze of dead ends, like this riddle we have to solve, we're banging our head against the wall. That, that Jesus is holding the church together and mm. that I I can trust God's heart to be good, mm. even though it's scary. And I do speak in the book, um, in the process of writing a rule of life, we're inviting community to help us discern our rule of life. Um, that discernment is is an important practice. It's It's sort of a foundational practice to this writing a rule of life. And we need to be able to discern safe spaces. We need to be able to discern safe leaders, leaders who are gentle and lowly and restful Mm. like Jesus. And so I I don't ignore that at all. I speak to it. And yet it is the place where I find hope um, that we will walk together. We will find our way home um, and Jesus will lead us there. There's a choice in that too. Like I hear you speaking in, and I'm even sensing in your uh, experience that there was a moment where you could have said, there's not much hope here. I'm done, you know? <laughs> and yet you, you said, no, there is something here that I want to recommit to. And and not only that, but it, it gives me some hope for the future. Um, that's exciting. I think especially for those of us who are feeling some fatigue with religious spaces or, or yeah. religious tradition, religious practice to to find hope and to be excited about what comes next is, is really a wonderful gift. Yes. And in that message paraphrase of Matthew 11, 28, Jesus says, are you, are you burnt out on religion? That's, Mm. that's the beginning of the invitation. And, and those are, that's who Jesus is inviting into a restful place. Mm. Um, And that applies to a lot of us. (laughs) Yes. And on any given day, and any given day that applies to me. So I'm not sugarcoating this. And I hope that's, I hope readers hear something that's true um, in the way that I I talk about that in the book, too. Well, Tamara, um, this has been a, a real joy for me to to enter into this conversation together. Um, are there ways people can follow along with with your writing um, besides picking up this new book? Sure. Yes, um, I have a website, uh, tamrahillmurphy.com, and that's T A M A R A hillmurphy.com. And I have uh, I've been writing there since two thousand six, so there's a pretty substantive archive. Um, including uh, writing about spiritual practices. I also have an archive of published essays um, that I've printed in other sources. And so you can find that there. Right now I am working with first readers of the book on a Substack platform. And so you can find that on the website too. So I'm inviting folks to come in, kind of experience the book together and share their experience with me and, kind of developing tools as I move forward uh, with that. So, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, friends, I, I hope you've been inspired as I have by this conversation. Um, we're just about to flip the calendar into June and we invite you to check out uh, this new book, The Spacious Path, Practicing the Restful Way of Jesus in a Fragmented World. Tamara, thank you so much for joining us here on Ing Podcast. Thank you, Ben. It's been a real joy. 
Next week on Ing Podcast, we're joined by Tommy Airy, author, activist, place-based pastor. In that ancient context, to, to, re, to repent was a, a word from the military. So, so like we, we see that Josephus, ancient historian, used this language with like traitors. Like, like uh, the person who repented was a traitor and switched sides, switched teams. Repentance for me, if I'm going to follow Jesus in 21st century America, that means that I am pledging allegiance to the other America. When I do that, when I really make that commitment firm, when I, uh, as Monica Lewis-Patrick here in Detroit says, when I connect the dots and tell the truth in, in white spaces and middle class spaces, it's uncomfortable. As always, we'd like to thank our guests and all who support Ing Podcast. Thank you for joining us on the journey. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. And if you have something to share, send us a message at theing at menomedia.org or by leaving us a voicemail. Ing Podcast is hosted by Reverend Allison Moss and produced by me, Ben Weidman. Views and opinions expressed on Ing Podcast are those of our hosts and guests and may not represent that of Leader Magazine or Menno Media. Ing Podcast is a production of Menno Media, a nonprofit publisher that creates thoughtful Anabaptist resources to enrich faith in a complex world. To find out more, visit us online at menomedia.org. <laughs>